Hi everyone, and welcome to Not Criminally Responsible. This show contains mature subject matter, including graphic and disturbing explanations, violence, and death in some cases, and is not suitable for young listeners. All views and opinions expressed are my own. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. Amy here. Happy Tuesday! It means a lot to have you here with me today, so thank you again for joining me. Last episode, I gave you a bit of a rundown on who I am, where my interests lie, and how that lines up with this show, and I broke down what the show will offer. Just as a little refresher, I am here to talk about the Canadian court ruling known as NCRMD, or Not Criminally Responsible Due to a Mental Disorder. I think this is the most fascinating ruling that can come from cases because it really bridges psychology and law together, basically two of my favorite things in the entire world. So for today's episode, I thought that it would be really important to really take a deep dive into what NCRMD actually is. So I want to talk about how common it is, how often Canadians are receiving the sentence, why it was adopted, and basically everything and anything to do with NCRMD. I feel like this is really important to cover before I actually dive into specific NCRMD cases, which I will be doing next week. I am uh, clapping right now silently for the podcast because I'm so excited. Um, So yeah, before we learn the individuals who have pleaded this sentence and been given it, we need to understand it in and of itself. So without further ado, let's jump in. So NCRMD, or Not Criminally Responsible Due to a Mental Disorder, this defense is defined in Section 16 of the Criminal Code of Canada as follows. No person is criminally responsible for an act committed or an omission made while suffering from a mental disorder that rendered the person incapable of appreciating the nature and quality of the act or omission, or of knowing that it was wrong. So to summarize in much less fancy words, (laughs) if the individual committed an offense, but they were unaware that their actions were wrong or their mental disorder did not allow them to stop committing the offense, this individual can be deemed NCRMD or not criminally responsible. So individuals whose cases are given the NCRMD ruling in court are actually sent to a review board where the review board has three options of how to treat the individual's case. So I thought this was super interesting. They can have an absolute discharge, a conditional discharge, or a detention in a hospital facility or in custody. So once the individual's case is sent to the review board, it's actually the law in Canada that the review board has to choose the treatment that the individual will receive. So whichever option they choose of the three, they have to choose the one that is the least harsh and the least restrictive, as the government puts it. So it's obviously a huge, very intense and difficult job that this review board has. There's really nothing quite like it in the legal system because they're basically determining this individual's entire future. So it must be quite the challenge with these cases because they have to determine a proper course of action that works to treat the individual fairly and justly in accordance with the law, of course, and ensure that their future is the least restrictive as possible, as I was saying while also making sure that this course of action is the safest for the public and their community. 
They don't want to be putting NCRMD individuals on absolute discharge if they're a huge danger to the public, or themselves, or even both. So it's a huge job to find the sweet spot of keeping the community safe, while also making sure that they aren't just locking up people with mental health concerns when they shouldn't be, because that would be atrocious. <laughs> or even when there are better treatment options and rehabilitation plans out there for them. So the government really drives it home that the review board has to treat these individuals as humanely and fairly as possible, which I think is amazing and really great because we all know how ironically unjust the justice system can be, especially within the last year. I just want to touch on these three options that the review board has for the individual. So as I was saying, for the absolute discharge option, it's actually just exactly how it sounds. If the review board looks at the individual's case and determines that they're not a danger or threat to society in any way, shape, or form, then they can be discharged completely and allowed to return to their community. What's next is what the Supreme Court of Canada calls a conditional discharge, which they describe as, quote, the accused is supervised in the community through the imposition of restrictions on his or her liberty. Typical conditions ordered by a court or review board during a conditional discharge specify that the NCRMD accused must reside in a particular place. So for example, this would be something like a group home. They must abstain from illegal drugs and or alcohol. They must submit to a urine analysis testing for these prohibited substances to make sure they're not doing any drugs or consuming any alcohol. They must abide by a specified treatment plan by the review board. And they must report to a designated person, so for example, a psychiatrist, on a scheduled basis. And lastly, they must refrain from possessing any weapons." End quote. So that's the conditional discharge for you, which in short basically just means that the individual is allowed back into the community on many different conditions, and they must abide by all of these rules that the review board puts in place for them in order for them to be able to return back to their life. And so finally, the last option after the absolute discharge and the conditional discharge is detention which is the most severe of the three options that the review board has to give NCRMD individuals. The word detention kind of makes me think of what you get when you throw a paper airplane in school, but it's definitely a lot different than being stuck in a classroom for an hour after school and then just forgetting about it. <laughs> when NCRMD individuals are given this detention, they're placed in a hospital where they are technically actually still in custody. So here they're given major psychiatric help and are constantly monitored by medical staff who are there to determine the root cause of their actions and figure out the best course of action to get the individual safe and healthy again and to really prevent them from ever committing these offenses again that their mental disorder may have caused. An interesting part of this is that it's not at all the same as a traditional criminal sentence received in court, like a sentence for manslaughter or murder. In the case of NCRMD individuals, their stay in the hospital can actually be indefinite. 
So there is no set time that they will be in there for their detention. So where a regular criminal who is sentenced to say 25 years to life or whatever it may be, People who are deemed not criminally responsible due to mental disorder are kept in custody in the hospital until the medical professionals actually decide that they're ready to leave. So this is just so fascinating to me. I mean, it totally makes sense. Psychiatrists and neurologists and MDs should obviously be determining when people with psychological disorders are safe and rehabilitated correctly, where they can be as certain as possible that they won't pose any threat to society again. But it's just so different in comparison to the way that regular court and criminal sentencing is. In these cases where the individual is placed in a medical facility, the Supreme Court really drives home the fact that they're not punishing the individual. So this might be hard to wrap your head around because they are criminal offenses technically that these people are committing. But Because the individual was found to be incapable of realizing that their actions were right or wrong, they're not meant to be punished in the sense that regular criminals are. So I just wanted to touch on a study that came out of British Columbia, which is where I went to university. So big shout out to BC, it's a wonderful place. They did this study where they determined the relationship between the types of offenses that NCRMD individuals commit and the length of their stay in detention which, like we talked about earlier, is a hospital stay. Quote, The study found that accused who had committed murder spent, on average, 1,165 days hospitalized prior to release, while accused who had committed theft had only spent, on average, 48 days in hospital. So that's super interesting. And one more thing about these three options that the review board has for NCRMD individuals They have to hold a hearing once a year. So during this hearing, the review board decides if the NCRMD individual needs to continue on the path they're on, say if they're conditionally discharged and are living in a group home, maybe the review board decides, yes, you actually do need to stay in that home for another year. The review board can alter the individual's course of action or add or subtract anything as they might see fit. And they do this basically just to make sure that the person under review is still being treated fairly and justly and is not being punished and is on the best path for them, taking into consideration their offense, the state of their mental disorder, and overall the safety of their community. So now I would say that we're basically experts on the three options and ways that the review board of the Supreme Court of Canada can treat individuals who have been deemed NCRMD or not criminally responsible. Would you agree? Anyway, with that being said, I did want to touch on the commonality of NCRMD. Like how often are people pleading not criminally responsible? And how often do the judges say, yes, you really were incapable of differentiating between right and wrong during the time of your offense? You will be very surprised, or I assume you will be very surprised to know that NCRMD cases represent hardly anything in terms of criminal court cases. When we're speaking about adults, they actually represent less than 1% of all adult criminal court cases in a given year in all of the provinces and territories. And Stats Canada says that this number has remained basically the same, sitting at around 1% or just lower over many, many, many years. 
Stats Canada also reports that the most common offense in NCRMD cases is major assault. And one more interesting thing that they noted is that individuals who are deemed NCRMD are slightly older than individuals who are charged regularly with their crimes in court. They said that the median age of NCRMD individuals is 34 years old, whereas non-NCRMD criminals median is 31 years old. So this is super interesting to me. And when I'm able to get an expert on who has worked with these individuals onto the show, I really can't wait to have them dive into this for us because that discrepancy between age is really interesting. And one last demographic thing related to not criminally responsible individuals is that the vast majority of these people are men. 87% Stats Canada reports, to be precise. In terms of the offenses, I think that the general public would really find it reassuring to know that out of all of the NCRMD offenses committed, only 2.6% are homicides, 3.3% are attempted murder, and 2.1% are sexual offenses. The Mental Health Commission of Canada told us that one, as well as the fact that out of these 8% of violent offenses in the NCRMD world, only one of three individuals committing these violent offenses were actually diagnosed with psychosis, or they were on the psychosis spectrum. So reiterating that this is only 8% of NCRMD cases, I did also want to mention that this 8% of violent offenses did occur to mostly the families of those NCRMD individuals. But I just want to say once more that this is only 8%. I'm not trying to say this to scare anyone whatsoever. I just think that it's important information that helps us to build a demographic range for these individuals and their certain offenses. The Mental Health Commission of Canada really places a lot of importance, and I mean so do I, on the fact that an individual with a mental illness does not equate to an individual who will commit an offense or a crime. Quote, less than 3% of violent offenses can be attributed to people with mental illness, end quote. That is crazy low, you guys. Like, only less than 3%. So just really keep that in mind. This podcast, yes, it is dedicated to something that is violent in nature sometimes, but it's so rare in our society. Yes, it does happen, but it in no way is all of this information meant to scare anybody. It really is just so that we can all learn about something that is hardly talked about in our community. I mean, I didn't even know about any of this until I went to university. So maybe by continuing this conversation around individuals with mental disorders rarely, rarely being violent, we can help destigmatize them and their struggles. Because if they are so heavily stigmatized, there are less and less resources for them getting help and less desire from anyone to actually help them get help in the first place. So that is my two cents. I could really talk about this topic for days and days on end. I'm sure you can tell by the tone of my voice that I am very passionate about this. I mean, hence why I created an entire show around it. But I will stop for now until next week. Now that everybody is up to speed on NCRMD, I will be covering the very first NCRMD case in next week's episode. 
So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Not Criminally Responsible, a podcast where I tackle all things mental disorder, legal system, and crime in Canada. You can follow along with the show on Instagram at notcriminallyresponsiblepod. It would mean so much to me if you were interested in following along on this little journey of mine. And with that being said, I hope everyone has a great day, stay safe, and I will talk to you next time. Bye!